focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio, we have our Tuesday reporters in Kwanzaa and Che Jihee. Guys, welcome back. Hello. Good evening. You just don't feel like you're ready just yet, or what is it? Yes, because, uh, I mean, I, I take my, off my masks during a different show where the studio is quite large, but this studio is kind of confined, and I don't really feel... safe yet no she's discriminating radio over no, television no i'm not, I'm not. She's it's, doing. we have this microphone in front of us it's just <laughs> I, i have to get i have to get used to it it's just because i mean many people feel that way they feel that they might not get covid19 but it's just that they've gotten so used to wearing the mask every day on you a feel, daily basis right you feel safer yeah again just me <laughs> again i i don't I, i feel naked right now without <laughs> having this mask on that i've been wearing for uh some quite time now but uh things you know we are having changes here and there so uh, we'll see uh, how this pans out we are of course going to be talking to an expert in regards uh, to the mass mandates being lifted and uh, what the Uh, pandemic situation will be like moving forward. But in the meantime, for all of us here, uh, we're going to start things off with uh, the defense ministers of South Korea and the United States holding a, a meeting in Seoul to address the evolving nuclear missile threats from North Korea, uh, not to mention other security issues as well. Uh, let's take a look into some of the uh, key outcomes of the defense talks. Ji, you're going to start us off here. Right. So South Korean defense minister Lee Jong-sup and his U.S. Uh, counterpart Lloyd Austin held talks earlier today amid the ally efforts to strengthen deterrence against North Korea's growing nuclear threats. Now, this was the fourth meeting between the two leaders and the first of this year, which marks the 70th anniversary of the ROK-US alliance as well. So during the meeting, the two leaders strongly condemned North Korea's continued provocations and violations of uh, the UN Security Council resolutions. And the meeting focused on strengthening the U.S. commitment to defending South South Korea through the use of its full range of military capabilities, uh, including nuclear weapons. And as agreed upon during the USROK summit in May 2022 and the 54th Security Consultative Meeting, the two leaders emphasized that the two nations will continue to bolster the alliance's capabilities to deter and respond to North Korea's nuclear and missile threats. And they also reaffirmed that they're working to enhance their such capabilities uh, through joint military exercises and cooperation with Japan in response to North Korea's uh, recent provocations. And the two also mentioned the importance of enhancing information sharing, joint planning and execution uh, of the exercises and alliance consultation mechanisms as well. And they also reaffirmed that the two sides will make substantive progress in completing the revision of the tailored deterrence strategy before this year's uh, security consultative meeting. And in February, the two countries plan to hold a tabletop exercise to simulate the North's uh, potential use of nuclear weapons. Well, the two leaders pledged to further expand and bolster the level and scale of this year's joint exercises and training. And also South Korea, the U.S. and Japan will also hold a trilateral defense talk as soon as possible uh, to strengthen their security cooperation further. 
Now, uh, before the meetings were held, uh, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin making a special contribution to a local media outlet in which he uh, also expressed Washington's will to bolster deterrence against North Korea's threats, which appeared to be uh, quite a strong message towards Pyongyang. Uh, so you have the details on this. Right. The defense chief made clear to the U.S.'s adversaries and competitors that if they challenge either Washington or Seoul, they are challenging the U.S.-South Korea. Korea alliance as a whole. So this was one of the messages Lloyd Austin made that caught the eye in the exclusive contribution to Yonhap News Agency prior to his meeting with his South Korean counterpart Lee Jong-sop. North Korea is probably one of the adversaries and competitors that he mentioned, meaning if Pyongyang attacks South Korea, it would be an attack on the U.S. as well, which would inevitably lead to a strong response by the U.S., uh, experts say that the officials' expressions were one of the strongest made in regards to deterrence provision to Seoul. The ironclad relationship between the two allies, as well as the ironclad commitment by the U.S. towards extended deterrence to South Korea, was numerously highlighted in the piece, which was titled The Alliance Stands Ready. Also, modernizing the 70-year-old alliance was mentioned in the text. And to get into some of the details, Lloyd mentioned Washington's commitment includes quote, U.S. conventional nuclear and missile defense capabilities. And uh, he also said the presence of some 28,500 U.S. troops stationed in South Korea, while underlining that it's no accident that there has been no armed conflict on the Korean peninsula in the past seven decades, thanks to the efforts and sacrifices of the South Korean and American people. He noted the heightened tensions, referring to North Korea's recent unprecedented number of missile launches. Lloyd lauded the groundbreaking joint exercise between South Korean and U.S. soldiers earlier this month, boasted combined capabilities in terms of aircraft and missile defense platforms and many more assets, and looked forward to expanding all of that. And uh, all of that also with a so-called fight tonight mind, he also mentioned. Uh, and Lloyd also spoke of the importance of deepening trilateral cooperation with Japan. So it seems like the contribution was kind of a preview to what the two defense ministers, E and Lloyd, would reaffirm in their talks they had today. Yeah, so the interesting is, again, uh, we've been watching very closely as to if there is going to be any kind of uh, action from North Korea. I think so. Uh, it was when you were on the program. Maybe yes, it was uh, remember, Friday when yeah. I said maybe uh, Lloyd Austin, if he's here, uh, there might be some uh, provocations from North Korea. We haven't seen that just yet. Now that... But, they heard the message, maybe. Right, but at the same time, uh, the news that I believe that came out earlier today as well, and whether or not uh, this could be uh, interpreted as something very serious, is uh, according to some of the satellite images by uh, Planet Lab, uh, they found out that uh, uh, North Korea conducted recently a test on their solid fuel engine, mm -hmm. uh, which could be used both for a ballistic missile or a satellites. But, I mean, the consensus right now, it's not any satellite testing that they'll probably be doing. Uh, it's probably for uh, improving their ballistic missile capabilities. And so uh, it seems like despite the fact that North Korea is, rel again, I, I don't want to jinx anything here. Uh, they are relatively quiet in the past few weeks here, and this is quite unusual for North Korea. It could be potentially because of maybe 
some other outbreaks in COVID-19. I think there's been some reports that over in North Korea, there's some, uh, they are wary of possible resurgence of COVID-19 or the fact that, but the fact is they are still uh, working on different missile tests uh, and this including now, again, the solid fuel engine test uh, that apparently they conducted over the weekend here. And so uh, it's important that uh, the United States and South Korea continue these uh, discussions. Of course, Japan uh, is going to get involved with these discussions as well. Uh, let's move on here, talk about the economy. Uh, the IMF lowering its forecast for South Korea's economic growth outlook for this year uh, while increasing the global outlook. Uh, let's get the details of this, Chihi. Sure. So in the latest projection in its World Economic Outlook update, which was released today, uh, the International Monetary Fund has revised its forecast for South Korea's economic growth this year to 1.7%, which is a decrease of 0.3 percentage points from its October uh, prediction. Now, this revised forecast is a contrast with the improved outlook for the global economy, which Soa will tell us in more detail later on. Uh, but let's focus more on the outlook for South Korea first. So the IMF has uh, also lowered next year's growth estimate for the country to 2.6% from the previous forecast of 2.7%. However, the updated outlook is still above the South Korean Finance Ministry's uh, prediction of 1.6% made in December. And back in November, the Bank of Korea suggested a 1.7% growth for 2023. Uh, however, according to the central bank, uh, South Korea's gross domestic product is estimated to have grown 2.6% last year, uh, but compared with a 4.1% increase tallied in the previous year, this is very low. And it also said the country's growth could be slower than its projection this year uh, due to the possibility of a global recession and the influence of overall rate hikes on the economy. Now, so uh, now you're going to be telling us about the uh, the IMF's global economic outlook. Uh, it does seem like it's a little bit better than uh, what South Korea's outlook was, according to the IMF. Uh, but still, it is expected to slow down this year, make a rebound next year is what the IMF is saying. Let's get the details of that. Right. Uh, the 2023 global economy is expected to grow 2.9%, according to the IMF, in its latest report. That's slightly up from the previous forecast of 2.7% made in October and also marks the first raise in a year. But uh, it's still a decline from the 3.4% expansion in 2022. So first off, why the upward revision? It's mainly attributed to a cooling of inflation. The IMF assesses that monetary policies have worked to an extent, with that actually also meaning its, uh, its own monetary policies. Also, China's reopening from stringent COVID-19 restrictions appear to have had an effect as well. However, the organization also warned of higher interest rates and Russia's continued aggressions against Ukraine to remain hurdles in an improvement of the overall growth. According to the latest figures, around 84% of countries will face lower headline inflation this year than last year. Now, headline inflation refers to the total inflation within an economy, including commodities such as food and energy prices, so the volatile ones. Meanwhile, for advanced economies, the slowdown is expected to be worse, with a GDP growth of 1.2% expected, up 0.1% from the previous forecast, 4% though for developing and emerging countries, and that's up 0.3%. Now, by country... 
the U.S. is to grow 1.4% this year and 1% next year. China, 5.2% this year and 4.5% next year. So that actually goes counter to the global expectations, as in general, 2024 looks to turn out better than 2023, with the IMF's projection at a 3.1% growth for 2024. But that, again, being a downward revision. I think a lot of people might be asking, uh, 5.2% for China, that's a relatively high percentage uh, compared to some of the other countries, but we have to take into consideration this is bond year, and uh, it's it's what we're seeing is basically a base effect, uh, where China's economic growth outlook was so bad in the previous years, and now that they're now opening up, uh, despite the resurgences of uh, COVID-19, they are opening up their economies, and so uh, this is the base effect that we're seeing, which is why Uh, 5.2%, much higher than some of the other uh, world economies. Uh, In the meantime, the country saw an increase in production, consumption, and investment last year. This according to uh, the government's uh, updated data. However, again, the outlook grimmer this year amid the slowing exports and weakened uh, domestic recovery here in South Korea. Chia, let's get more updates on this. Right. So according to Statistics Korea, all three areas like you mentioned, including production, consumption, and investment... Uh, saw an on-year increase in 2022. Uh, there were in fact a triple rise from the second for the second consecutive year. So to be specific, the nation's industrial output rose 3.3% from a year before, uh, and this came on the back of an on-year jump of 4.9% in 2021. And the production in the industries, including mining and manufacturing, expanded 1.4%, while the service sector saw a 4.8% on-year expansion. And retail sales increased 0.2% on-year, together with facility investment by 3.3%. And the rise in three major indicators of these uh, production, consumption, and investment for the second consecutive year definitely uh, suggests a recovery in industrial uh, activity. But the latest monthly figures unfortunately suggest otherwise. So industrial output last month fell 1.6% on-year, recording the biggest margin in 32 months, and facility investment dropped 7.1% in the same period. And then there's the cyclical component of the coincident index, which is a reflection of the current economic state in the country. Well, this figure fell by 0.9 points, uh, as did the cyclical component of the leading index, which provides a glimpse of the future for the economy. And this uh, fell by 0.5 points. And uh, the government pledged to execute projects worth 340 trillion won in the first half of of the year as a supplementary measure, uh, citing the slowing exports and weakened domestic recovery. Guys, uh, we're going to be talking about now moving on here. Uh, I've been following up in this news quite a bit. I actually saw, I actually uh, hinted at this, uh, potentially talking about this uh, on yesterday's program. uh, pension system. Uh, we're going we're to talk about national pension. Uh, it's something that I just recently started putting into uh, because I did not know that uh, even foreigners had to put into national pension system. I did not know that uh, even freelancers had to put into mm. uh, national pension system. And so I've been putting into it for a month now. And next thing you know, uh, they're talking about uh, potentially increasing the rate in which you need to put into the 
pension system. Now, uh, many countries are faced with this whole uh, crisis of the, uh, the depleted uh, funds for the pension. Uh, even in the United States, a lot of people are saying for people that have been putting into the pension system for like 30, 40 years, uh, they might not get the money that they've been putting into. Well, you know, here in South Korea, that's also the problem. And now they're saying uh, what used to be, well, what is currently at 9% rate uh, for your pension system, they're planning to increase this to 15% right now. So well, let's take a look at this topic. Right. 15% sounds like a whopping increase. Uh, it's not a fixed decision yet. Uh, and uh, also to alleviate concerns or criticism, the government Monday afternoon made clear that the plan has not been drafted by the government. So what's this about? Uh, let me give you some background first. A private advisory committee discussed a draft pension reform plan by adjusting key variables of the nation's uh, pension, of the national pension, and this resulted in a plan that includes the raise of the pension contribution rate from the current 9 to 15 percent. So 15 percent sounds like a lot, uh, but according to calculations, the country's national pension is expected to be depleted by by 2055, unless some drastic reforms are being made by the government. Uh, but going back to the government's stance on this, yesterday, Health Minister Zhu Kyu-hung held a sudden briefing that was not earlier scheduled. And there he stressed the gradual raise of the national pension rate to 15% was not proposed by the government. He made clear it was a private advisory committee under the National Assembly's Special Committee on Pension Reform. So uh, waving off that the government is directly involved in the discussions. Uh, the government, he said, will fully reflect on the results of the plan and then submit it to the National Assembly in October. The advisory committee, meanwhile, is also still actually in discussions, it looks like, with two or three versions of drafts to be reported early next month. But I believe whatever the actual figure will be, it's going to be an increase. <laughs> um, one of our listeners, Bucks, uh, chiming in and asking, uh, compared to the Korea pension system, what about the United States? Are they also a mandatory system? Yeah, also in the, I, I believe in the uh, United States actually have a really high percentage too. It's something, uh, it's something like 23 point something percent. Uh, which is hot, which is uh, which is why if you look at uh, the pay stub, if you get paid in, in the United States, if you work, uh, they take out the state tax, they take out the federal tax, they take out the pension system, and eventually you're left with nothing. But uh, you do get paid a little bit better over in the United States, right? I mean, if you're paying like something like 23% in the US, mm. uh, I know the bare minimum that you get in the US is something like $850. Uh, here in South Korea, something like three, uh, 320,000 Korean won, and that's after they increased it a bit. So this morning, I received this uh, letter or this paper from the National Pens Pension, and when I reach the age of 65, I'll be receiving... Why are you <laughs> laughing? No, no, because oh, I, okay. I got that letter, and that's, oh, how, did, I, did. Okay. That, that's how I got caught with the... Uh, well, oh, I see, I you see. You know what's and funny is that, but that you can see each other's facial expressions oh, yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hide it anymore <laughs> right anyway so they said uh when i reach 65 i'll be receiving 430,000 korean won only oh that's what i'm getting too oh <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's not a very popular system right now and so i i just kind of i was kind of wondering if i was the only one that 
felt like this pension system was not number one, not stable. Number mm. two, uh, not appeasing to a lot of people. The consensus right now, I was just reading some of the comments by uh, the, the the South Koreans, is like they were saying, just get rid of this. You know, uh, we're putting into something that we're for- number one, we're forced to put into this, and uh, we're not even really getting a lot back. Mm. And so, what a lot of people much rather do is put it into like bonds or something like that, put it into savings, uh, put it into something else that gives you a better return and get a lump sum later on. Uh, whereas the pension system, again, is you're getting, uh, a, I mean, like 43,000 Korean won is, that's like $400, $400 a month, uh, 20 years from now, 30 years from now is not gonna do much. Uh, and that's the problem right now. And so even they're saying is, even if they increase it to 15%, uh, what about the next generation that's going to get depleted as well? And how much further can you go with this? And so the national pension system is not a very popular uh, system in place, which is why the government did come out and say, it's not something that we put in uh, because they have to take into consideration next year. They have the general elections. And if they find out that it was the current ruling party uh, that's been pushing for this increase in the pension system, they're going to lose a lot of voters out there and so they're treading this carefully i don't know how they're going to be fixing this because it's 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 not a good system in place uh at this point i think personally i think everyone else everyone should be kind of uh you know have their own independent kind of source of pension system and not be forced to put into this mm-hmm. but gee i'm assuming now you have to put into that system now no i've been paying for a couple of years now oh really already, yeah i've only been putting into a year so <laughs> we in in uh, two was it when we're 65 years old uh, we could enjoy uh maybe like a hamburger with that uh, 400 400 dollars <laughs> that we're probably going to get after inflation skyrocket by right. then uh let's talk about uh, you know what they say everything is going up except for our salaries so uh, we're going to be talking about more things that are going up here uh this including taxi and public transportation fare. I think the consensus that we made here in our program was that public transportation, especially like buses and uh, subways, it's very cheap. Mm. And uh, we're, that's something that we would be happy with. Taxi, I'm not sure. But nevertheless, basic taxi fare, uh, it's going to rise starting next month. Let's get the details of this, Chi. Right. So if you are a frequent taxi user like myself and Soa, <laughs> Um, this piece of news may add to your expenditure burden. Uh, well, because the Seoul City government announced Monday that basic taxi fare in Seoul will rise by 1,001, which is approximately uh, 0.8 US dollars to 4,800 won starting February. So under this new plan to raise the base rate for mid-size uh, cabs op- operating within the capital, the initial minimum distance for which the base taxi fare is applied will also be shortened from uh, 2 kilometers to 1.6 kilometers. So after the base fare is charged, that's how the taxi system usually works, right? Uh, For every 131 meters of travel distance, it used to be 132 meters uh, before, uh, 101 will be charged additionally. No, I'm just trying Doing to figure your calculations. No, 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 no. I'm just figure, I'm trying to figure out what it used to be when I first came to Korea because uh, I think it was different back then too, but nevertheless. Right, right. Well, it's it's almost 5001 now and the city government has already raised the fares for nighttime taxi services last month. Uh, so this allowed taxi drivers to charge a nighttime surcharge from 10 p.m. instead of midnight. This has also uh, added to the burdens for taxi riders as well and increased fares for subways and public 
public buses will go into effect starting in April. And like we said, uh, they're already quite cheap. And this will be the first time in eight years that they're raising the fares for the public transportation. Currently, the base rate for subways is 1,251 and 1,200 or 901, depending on which bus mm-hmm. uh, they are. And the city government is considering two fare hike proposals, either uh, raising it by 301 or 401. And they're also pushing to increase fares for d a d a n g i which is the public bike rental system in Seoul, uh, within the year as well. Uh, yes, and Seoul City's rise in fares for the public transit system is likely to lead to utility cost increase- increases in other regions within the country, and this will uh, ultimately influence consumer prices. However, Seoul City explains that the decision was inevitable with the ongoing deficit in the city's public transportation system. In fact, the annual deficit for Seoul's Transportation Corporation last year is likely to reach 126 million won. I just realized uh, one of the effects of having my mask off is she's going to respond to every little facial uh, (laughs) facial expressions that I make. And I was making a lot of facial expressions. They're going to increase the fares for Dadani for the the bike rental system? Mm. Oh, man. But, you know, the subway stuff, uh, we mentioned that South Korea has uh, one of the best subway systems in place. And if they're going through a deficit... And, uh, you know, they're unable to keep up with the system that they have in place. I'm all for it. I mean, if you compare it to like in, the, in, uh, in New York City where I'm from, I mean, the, the metro cards are like, what was it, like, like almost $4 per ride there. And so, and then their system is really, there's always delays and things like that. So I'm happy with this. But again, it does seem like everything is going up. And we have more things going up here. Uh, of course, this is something that uh, was a big concern uh, this, this winter. We're talking about heating. and electricity bills as well. So uh, this is going up. Uh, how, how much is this going up now? Yes, uh, you know, I love how our uh, 작가님, our writer, titled our last items, 인상, 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 which basically means up, 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 raise, raise, raise. Yes, uh, so another raise that we're seeing here. Uh, first off, it's been really freezing cold lately, as you guys probably have realized, especially last week. Probably many households turned on the heater a few degrees or maybe half a degree up. Actually, that's what I did last week when it was... was really cold. I just put it up a half a degree up. Uh, But with many people having in mind the bills coming out later, I guess. And according to KAPT, the average heating cost per square meter of apartments nationwide based on district heating and central heating rose from 334 won in December 2021 to 514 won in December last year. So a hike by almost 54%. By region, heating costs in Sejong rose 55.6% during the same period, and they're exceeding 1,001 per square meter. And that was followed by Gyeonggi-do province, Seoul, Incheon, Daejeon, Chungcheongbuk-do province, and Daegu. Now, the problem is that the burden of public utility bills will be even greater in January this year, as that bill will be received next month, and that's uh, after the recent cold wave. 
And as if that was not enough, uh, electricity bills are the next hurdle. Last month, the average electricity bill per square meter of apartments nationwide was 652 won, up 16% from December 2021 when it was 562 won. And this is due to a free time increase of 19.31 in electricity prices per kilowatt hour last year in April, July and October. But uh, according to the government's announcement of an increase in electricity prices late last year, the first quarter of this year will have a surge of 13.11 per uh, kilowatt per hour, the highest increase in 42 years since 1981, so during the second oil shock. Uh, the rate of increase is to reach 9.5%. And uh, the cold snap, you know, it does not only affect heating, but electricity as well, because we are using heating devices such as electric stoves, heaters, and radiators that use electricity. Yeah, I haven't had uh, much problems with the gas bills because my apartment is unusually warm uh, during the day. But, you know, I'm going to sound like a real, real, uh, real weirdo for saying this, but... Uh, what I've been doing in uh, recent days is I go to uh, the balcony where the meter is, the electricity bill uh, meter is, and then I just look at it go up. And I'm going, wow, it's going really fast. It's moving really... I don't know if you guys ever check the meters, but that's what you do when you got to pay the bill all the time. Uh, but it moves quickly is what happens. Uh, and uh, it's been really concerning. Uh, Patrick Pierzer says, my bill for gas and energy per month raised from 98 euros to 172. <gasps> That's a lot. Almost doubled. But Patrick, my question is, did your salary go up that much? No, right? Which is why that that's, there's been a lot of uh, protests happening over mm. in Europe. There's been protests all over the world because they're saying uh, all the workers are basically saying, I mean, we're not getting paid enough. Uh, Teto says, how much watch does Ondor need? Ondor uses gas. Uh, that's the other big problem is it uses a lot of gas. It's warm. But he uses a lot of gas. Uh, but on Monday, President Yoon Sagar approved a, a 10 billion Korean won, that's 81 million U.S. dollars in reserve government funds for emergency use in supporting the vulnerable houses uh, because of these skyrocketing heating bills. Uh, the ruling People Power Party is also looking into expanding the support for middle-class households as well. That's good news for me. Uh, mm. Gee, you have more on this. Right. So President Yoon approved the allocation of an additional 100 billion won to be used toward helping people pay for their increased heating bills. Now, this brings the total financial support to 180 billion won, which is roughly double. And the presidential office announced Monday that the decision comes as an effort to lift the burden of heating costs uh, for the vulnerable who are suffering the most from the unprecedented cold. Now, the uh, reserve government funds are budget saved for future contingencies, and the review for the reserve was categorized as an urgent item for uh, this week's cabinet meeting. And because of this item, the uh, cabinet meeting was originally scheduled for today, but it was held a day earlier yesterday. And on top of this decision, the ruling People Power Party and the government said they're also reviewing the possibility of providing heating bill subsidies not only to vulnerable households, but also to middle-class households. And President Yoon instructed his aides to actively review the agenda for reducing heating costs for the middle class and uh, their common people at the meeting. And uh, as we've repeatedly reported, local monthly gas rates increased by over 30% last month compared to a year ago uh, due to soaring gas prices, and it has shocked many households. 
uh, including myself. And the urgent government decision comes as the surge in heating prices affected the approval ratings as well for President Yoon, according to analysts. Uh, and Real Meter did a survey among over 1,500 adults between uh, 24 the 25th and 27th of this month. And the president's uh, approval ratings fell 1.7% points from the previous week to 37%. And this was a fall for the third consecutive week. And uh, the response rate for this survey was 3.2%, uh, uh, with 97% being conducted online and 3% through automatic calls. And the margin of error was about 2.5% points. I always find this very interesting. Uh, the response rate, 3.2%. That means that uh, <laughs> of all the people that they called, only 3.2% of the people said, all right, sure, I'll give you uh, uh, five minutes out of my time and uh, uh, and answer these. I don't think, uh, have you guys ever gotten these uh, calls? before i have but i've never answered same here <laughs> you guys are th- part of that uh, i think 97. i answered once and oh. then i realized how long it takes until you get to the last question so since then i've oh, not really? been replying again because oh. i thought it's re- really just takes a few seconds to just answer yes or no but they've got lots of questions like follow-up questions as mm. well i mean uh, probably the, it depends on which kind of survey the but. only the only time i got a phone call was during the presidential election time and mm. uh, they basically asked me if i was going to vote and i said no and they asked me why and i said because I i'm a, a foreigner, foreigner. <laughs> they said oh, i'm sorry you're not eligible for this uh. and i said oh man i was going to give you my time to take part in this <laughs> uh but it's interesting uh get in, get involved with this if you have time here but so i said say that i mean they call you like in the middle of the day when you're yeah. busy with work right i even mm. remember the situation i was in a fitting room. <laughs> a fitting room? Yeah, oh. at a department mm-hmm. store somewhere. <laughs> and shopping. I took the phone there. So you weren't working. <laughs> you were <laughs> shopping. Uh, yeah. Talking more about these bills here. So uh, th- there are people also that find themselves in a blind spot here. Uh, who, who in particular are we talking about that are going to have a uh, difficult time paying their bills? That's the small business owners, uh. Uh, especially those who have been already hit by the pandemic. And they say that electricity and heating bills are just as much as a burden uh, like rents to many of them. Some even say that the heating and electricity bills came out even higher than their rents. Mm. And uh, for instance, at public bathrooms, uh, one person that has been uh, interviewed in a report said that if at least one visitor is there, they have the gas needs to be turned For on. For warm water, right? Exactly. Mm. So uh, bills feel like they are heating and electricity bills to them feels like they've been going up 50 to 70% lately. And they also say that small business owners were excluded from so-called energy voucher support measures Maybe that has been uh, a measure during the COVID-19 when the COVID-19 situation was at its worst. But Mm -hmm. they say uh, this is why it's uh, really uh, difficult for them in terms of uh, these bills. Yeah, and and it's like they have no choice, right? Uh, Think about it. Uh, Even during the, the, let's say in the summertime when it's like super hot and it does get very humid and very hot in uh, South Korea. uh, Would you go into a restaurant that has no AC in it? No, you're not. And so they're forced to turn on the air conditioner. It goes the same way during the wintertime. We've had some really cold winters this uh, this year, uh, which is unusual. But uh, if it's not warm, you're not going to stay in there no matter how good the food is. Actually, maybe if the food is really good, you'll just throw that too. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, the bathroom is the other thing. All the things that uh, we talk about here takes uses gas. Uh, You know, Teto was mentioning Undor. Undor uses gas. It's not like it's free. It's not a magic 
floor that just heats up when it gets really cold. It uses a lot of gas. Uh, the water uh, uses a lot of gas and things like that. And so, yeah, I think this is the blind spot. And as we know, uh, what we've also seen an increase uh, in the recent years is uh, people basically uh, quitting their job. Well, the people that lost their jobs, they ended up starting small businesses, right? It was kind of a second chance for them and for them to be not be able to uh, pay for these bills. I think it's, it's, it's a shame. And so maybe the government will look into this and help those because they too are the very vulnerable here. Life uh, is so hard. That has got to be the, the, the best comment. Well. That that is going to be the best <laughs> comment summing up my life <laughs> that I heard today. Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, someone said uh, G must not wear face mask anymore because she's a celebrity. I saw as a celebrity too, but she chooses to wear. It. In fact, the other the, don't celebrities wear masks? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Before COVID nineteen, these masks used to be called Yonane mask uh, because they want to hide their right. uh, their identity and things like that. So technically. One of them were saying Soa looks pretty with and without a mask. Oh, what's this today? It's like all these uh, all these com- uh, compliments for our uh, guests and none for the host. What is going on here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> guys, thank you very much uh, for your reports today. Please stay safe and we'll see you guys again. Esther, see you're you again. awesome. Bye. <laughs> you can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application. Or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.